Let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, here we are. As your people gathered around your cross to celebrate again this evening the old story of how you walked up onto this cross and you died. You gave your life so that we may live. Gracious God, as we open up your word and hear your story one more time, we ask, Lord, that, that you convict our hearts and that we can see not just a man on this cross, but we can see our God on this cross. And along with it, we can see our sin on this cross, dying once and for all. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends, just a few moments ago, we heard this story read to us out of the gospel that, that tells us of the story that we now know as the Last Supper, when Jesus called his disciples to an upper room, and he had a meal with them, and he broke bread, and he instituted what we now call the Lord's Supper, or as you may know it, uh, Holy Communion. Uh, tonight, we're going to continue reading that gospel, this time from the, from the book of Mark. Immediately after the upper room, they went to a place called Gethsemane. Welcome to Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. He says, take this cup from me. These words are, are so loaded to us, whether we're hearing them for the first time here tonight or for the thousandth time. It's these words that people have reflected on. Take this cup from me. Let it pass me over. That people have, have pointed to these words and said, here, perhaps uniquely here more than anywhere else, we can see the, the dual picture of Jesus, both in his divinity being God and in his humanity being like you and I, a human being. We can see here his divinity because as God, he, he knows what's right around the corner. He knows that already they're mobilized and they're coming for him. They're going to arrest him. He's predicted this time dozens of, of times so far. He knows that they're going to they're gonna arrest him, try him, convict him, and crucify him. His divinity tells them that, that this cup that lies ahead of him is, is filled with, with whips with leather straps on the end, tied to it pieces of bone and shards of pottery meant to, to rip the flesh off from his back. His divinity tells him that what's lurking around the corner is, is being beaten with robs, being struck, being having a thorn crown twisted and tied, pressed into his brow. His divinity tells him that what lies only a few moments ahead is being put on this cross and left for dead. 
But yet in this moment in the garden, we can see too Jesus and his humanity. Something that you and I could relate to, seeing something ahead and relating to Jesus and his humanity, saying, Father, Abba, he says, the Aramaic word for, for dad, Father, I don't want to do this. Take this cup from me. Yet the resolve that at least I can't identify with, not my will, he says, but yours. We can see a picture of his divinity and his humanity all twisted into one when he asked for the Father to take this cup from him. But I, too, I, I can't help but wonder about the cup itself. Such strange words. Take the cup from me. Had it been me in the garden so many years ago, I would have pleaded with the Father, take the, the suffering away from me. Take the whips away from me. Take the rods away from me. Take the crown of thorns away from me. Take the nails away from me. Take, take the cross away from me. But Jesus says, take the cup away from me. And so, friends, tonight I submit to you that Jesus has something far more profound in mind than simply a whip or nails or a thorn crown or even the pain that's inflicted on the cross. No, no. He chooses the word, take this cup away from me because he has something very specific in mind. And the agony that lies ahead is so much deeper, so much more profound than just the whip, the nails, the thorn, or even the cross. The agony that lies ahead is one of a spiritual nature. But to understand why he asked for the cup to be taken away from him, we have to go, not just here in the garden where we hear the story, but what we just heard, rewinding a bit, when we heard the gospel tell us about the Lord's Supper, this last supper that Jesus spent with his disciples in the upper room. You see, there's a reason why he, he told the disciples to, to go ahead and, and make preparations uh, for the meal. Because this uh, night started off the uh, Passover celebration, or as we heard the gospel refer to it earlier, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And as the first night in that, in that uh, uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread or Passover, they would have celebrated the Passover meal. In other words, uh, sometimes we refer to it as the Seder meal. It's a meal loaded with meaning, with rituals, with, with specific meals to eat and, and drinks to take. It was a meal that uh, commemorated and celebrated the, that the Lord rescued the Jewish people, the Israelites, uh, from slavery in Egypt and, and brought them out. In fact, brought them out so quickly that they didn't even have time to allow the bread to rise. So it was, it was unleavened. It was without wheat, without uh, yeast. It was flat. It was dense. It was something like, like crackers, or at least uh, dense, hard, flat bread. And so during this uh, festival of unleavened bread, they, they avoided any rising agents altogether like yeast. And during this meal, the, the Seder meal, they'd pass four cups. They'd begin the meal together by, by passing uh, the first cup around, and it was... Um, and it was typical in the time to, to pass the cup around it. And when, you, when it got to you, you would take the cup and you would drink from it so, so deeply 
that you'd take in as much as you possibly could. Even if you finished it, that was on you. You were supposed to. And that was a that was not exactly a, a pleasant experience of the uh, dregs or bitter sediment in the bottom. But no, when the cup came and you were the one to finish it, you would. And then they'd fill it up again and, and keep passing it until everybody at the table had some. After the first cup was passed, they would turn to the youngest person at the table and they would have that child ask the question, why, the loaded question, why is this night different than all other nights? And for the next hour, they would rehearse and recite a liturgy, a scripted reading from Deuteronomy chapter 6 that starts off. Uh, when God's people were enslaved in Egypt, God heard their cry. Now, an hour later, the, the people around the table were hungry. <laughs> and it was in their, in their deep hunger that, that not the meal was served. No, no, no. The second cup was served. When the second cup was served, it would be served along with, along with this concoction of, of bitter herbs, of horseradish root, uh, other things that went in there that it just made it taste, well, absolutely disgusting. <laughs> and that was exactly the point. Because the people were not to just hear the story of their people in slavery, but they were to experience it as well. Traditionally, this concoction was passed um, by the host to, uh, to one of the guests of honor. Jesus passed it to Judas, the one who betrayed him later. After the second cup was served, along with that bitter concoction, it was typical for the men in the room to stand and to wash their hands. This is when Jesus got up, and instead of having them wash their hands, he washed their feet. Afterward, it was finally time for the meal. Sweet relief to the, to the kids at the table, and I'm sure the, doubt, the adults as well, as the meal would, the ceremony would last up to four hours. They would take uh, the host, would unfold his napkin, and, and hidden in the napkin previously were three uh, matzahs, or something like, uh, like crackers, wafers, tasteless. And while the kids in the room were eating, if this was a meal you'd celebrate with your family, you'd break the crackers or the matzahs and, and he'd hide them somewhere in the room. And after the kids were done eating, they'd have a chance to go find the, the crackers and, and bring them back to, to sell them back to their dad for a prize or a treat or something along those lines. And then the host or the dad, in this case Jesus, would take those matzahs, those crackers, and he'd break them up into smaller pieces however many it took. And he'd pass them around the table. And everybody, one by one, would take a piece of the cracker, the unleavened bread. As 21st century Christians, it's hard for us to miss the, the similarity to what Jesus was doing in that upper room, instituting what we now know of as the Lord's Supper. Passing it around, he, he included the Jewish liturgy, but he also included the words, this this is my body. And then they passed around the third cup. It was called the cup of blessing. And when Jesus passed it around, he said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. And then as the custom went, they would drink deeply again from the third cup and 
And then there'd be no more eating for the rest of the evening. They'd conclude by singing a, a, a song together, a song from uh, Psalm 135. It's called the Great Hallel, the, the one that goes, His love endures forever, His love endures forever, His love endures forever, over and over and over again, until they'd finally come to the fourth and the last cup to pass around the table. This one was called the, the Cup of God's Wrath. And they'd read passages, dozens of passages from the Old Testament, maybe from Jeremiah or Isaiah or Ezekiel, where the, the wrath of God was said to fill up a cup. And they prayed a prayer that went something like, Lord, may you pour out the cup of your wrath upon the nations who despise you. And it's here, at this fourth cup, that I invite you this evening on Good Friday to write in your own story. Because as the people were praying for the wrath of God to be poured out on nations, I invite you to think about what that means for us. That as people offended God's righteousness, His holiness, as people sinned against Him, it's almost like it, it, was, it was poured into a cup. And as the sin poured into the cup and filled it higher and higher and higher, so too with it, God's righteous wrath poured into the cup higher and higher and higher, commiserate with the, the level of sin that went into the cup. And Paul tells us in Romans that, that God was, was angry, was righteously angry about the sin that was committed against him, that was offensive to him. And he, was, and he didn't act on it right away, but he waited. And there will come a time, as Paul says, when we will have to give, a, uh, give an account, when God will pour out the cup of his wrath on each one of us. As we heard in the reading, after, after the Lord's Supper, the cup of blessing, they sung a hymn, probably Psalm 136, the great Hallel, his love endures forever. And then they went out to the garden. Then they went to the Mount of Olives, Gethsemane. Jesus never served the fourth cup to his disciples, the cup of God's wrath. He waited. And there, it was there in the garden, pleading with his father, Dad, Abba, Father, please let this cup pass from me. It wasn't just a, a mannerism, a way of speaking about the pain that was inflicted by the nails and the whip and the cross and the, and the, and the thorns. No, no. What he was referring to, what, as Luke says, made him bleed drops of blood with the amount of agony that he was in. It was not just because of the physical suffering he was about to endure, but the spiritual suffering he was about to endure. That our sins have filled a cup and God's wrath was about to be poured out. And Jesus said, I don't want to do it. I don't want to be strung up on this cross. And God, your son, Father, is going to need you now more than any other time in my life. I will need you to comfort me. And you are not to comfort me, but you are to pour out your wrath minute after minute and hour after hour until finally... 
after I've drinking every last drop of this cup, including the bitter dregs, the sediment at the bottom, after I've taken in all of the sin of my people, you will shout out, it is finished. And then Jesus died. Dear friends, today, Good Friday, perhaps more than any other day of the year, I invite you to wonder, to reflect of how each one of us contributed to this cup. What were the sins that you contributed to God's wrath needing to be poured out on Jesus on the cross? What have we done? In just a few moments, um, we're going to end in prayer and the worship team is going to come forward. And while, uh, while they're singing the power of the cross and while we're hearing the story of Jesus' uh, death told to us one more time, the stations on the side with pens and slips of paper I invite you to come forward, come to the stations with the pens, uh, write down whatever it is that you can think of to, to confess to God how you've contributed to the cup of his wrath. Maybe it's just a diff- grudge that you've been holding against somebody for like way too long. And you want to go before God and just say, listen, I'm in error here. I say that I'm a follower of you, Lord, but I haven't been acting like it. So, God, this is how I contribute to this cup that needed to be poured out on your son. Maybe it's a spiritual laziness. I've been wanting to to be a closer follower of Jesus for so long now, but who's got time? Maybe later, maybe next week. And it's this, this slothfulness that... That it just seemed to take in over your attitude towards God and you want to bring that to him and confess it to him. Write that down on a piece of paper. Maybe you've seen things or you keep thoughts in your mind. Thoughts that shouldn't have any place in a mind that is supposed to be occupied with thoughts of Christ. Write that down. Write it down on the slips of paper. Crinkle it up into a little ball and come forward during the song and put it in one of these cups. Watch your sin dissolve in the juice. Watch the cup of that bitterness and imagine Jesus Christ on the cross drinking it down. And when he's finally done, and all of our sin is gone. He can say, the cup is finished. After we're done singing, we'll have uh, just a moment of reflection and silence. And you can exit whenever you feel ready. I invite you to stand now and let's pray together.
God, we repent. In our own way, we have contributed to to you having to be on that cross and you drinking the cup of the Father's wrath, his righteous anger pouring down. Lord, in these humble moments, we can only say that we are so sorry and that we, in this life, will never know the full extent of the grief that we had caused. But Lord, we thank you that we have a God who loves us to death. Amen.